0: Hey guys, welcome to Heal, Survive and Thrive. I'm so excited this week. We have Janelle with us and we are going to be talking about so many important topics. It's stuff that we talk about all the time on the podcast, on the channel with you guys. And I think it's great to hear another perspective because while we all might be going through similar experiences, each person's story is different. And I think we can always learn more from each other when we confide in each other and express what it is that we've been through and what has worked for us. So, welcome, Janelle.
1: I'm so excited. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited yeah. to be here and feel like we're just gonna have good, good conversations. Seems like we're pretty like similar minded and yeah. So it's just great to good connect. Old chats.
0: Good old chats mm-hmm. about some important stuff that um i always tell people like if i had learned this stuff earlier <laughs> it would be like a deal breaker for me um yeah. so for you can you tell everyone just like a little bit about yourself and like kind of what got you to this point of wanting to help women
1: yeah um well i mean i i came into this work just through having my own transformations and feel really blessed that I I kind of, I guess, for lack of better words, stumbled into this amazing community of women um, where, you know, the focus was on like family systems and ancestral healing and inner child and shadow work and all of these uh, really important life-changing tools. And I just got like Im- immersed in this, this community. And I really had these experiences for the first time in my life where I was really being seen, you know, not just being seen for the parts of me that you know, I thought were kind of like shiny and fun to show, but the parts of me that were messy and that I maybe had never really brought forward to anybody ever. And so that was really just transformational in itself to have that safe space. And through that journey, I just got so passionate and into it and just devoted all my time and energy to being in that women's circle and then training to facilitate and working with other mentors. And it's just been, kind of an unraveling since that point um, and a gathering of tools and resources and working with amazing different mentors around the world and yeah so it's it's been it's been great and also fueled by just you know having quite a a messy path or past that was yeah it was just a lot so I kind of got forced it's how a lot of people come into this work you know it tends tends to be from a really hard time where you're kind of forced to look in inward otherwise you know you're just going to keep doing whatever it is in your life that's not most
0: people don't like voluntarily sign up to go through like the dark night of the soul and like do all of this work like no one's like you know what let me apply to do that sounds like fun yeah Um, yeah and I think it's it's important for people that are listening that are like knee deep in their stuff and I'm sure you can attest to this that when you're on the other side and you kind of like, and the pieces start coming together and you're like, okay, I get it. And you're starting to learn more and you're evolving and you're growing. For me, it was, it was a game changer. Like I would never, I would a hundred percent do it all over again. If I had to, you know, like now having seen all the benefits of going through it. And I think for me, that's when I knew I was really healing when I was actually thankful that I went through it because now I can see in hindsight why it had to happen.
1: Yeah. And I think you have these moments too, of like, when you're kind of in something that's been repetitive for you, like a, some kind of pattern. And then you get to a certain point and you're like, I remember that when this used to come up, I would handle this so differently. And you right. have these moments of realization, because we can also be hard on ourselves And in this journey, think, it has to be perfect or it has to look this way or to completely eradicate this pattern or this, this pain or whatever it may be, but like to really look back and reflect and be like, Oh yeah, not that long ago, I was responding completely different in this or would have made a totally different choice. And I think those moments that you can just really anchor into to, to remind yourself that it's working and that you you know deserve to celebrate yourself too, and have fun. Cause it can be dark and heavy and all those things, but yeah, yeah there's just. Those are really rewarding moments.
0: What do you think? I'm just going to like jump right into it because there's so much that I want to talk to you about. And you had mentioned earlier shadow work, and it's something that I don't always talk about on my channel and on this platform. And I would love to get kind of like your definition of what it is and, you know, understanding a little bit more about it for someone that might've heard that term before, but doesn't really know what it means.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's quite a lot of depth to it. Um, obviously, it's kind of based in Carl Jung psychology and and his teachings. So uh, he's a you know the founding person within all of that. But essentially, it's for very like a very simplistic term is taking the unconscious and bringing it into consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. So that can be done through so many different modalities. Um, dream work is is one of those things learning how to work with your dreams although it's obviously quite can be challenging and confusing and really deep metaphors and symbolisms in your dream but that's one thing to directly get in contact with the the psyche um, or the subconscious psyche and of course the subconscious is 95 percent of our our brain functioning so there's some kind of quote that Carl Jung said and I'm probably going to mess it up but it's something along the lines of like if you don't take that unconscious and bring it into consciousness, it's just going to run the show of your life and you're going to call it fate. Right. So, Ooh, it, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Right. We don't think yeah. about how our, our our parts of our mind that we're not seeing are actively calling in different situations in our life or attracting different situations. And so one way to, to kind of look at it because you can't just say, okay, well, I'm ready to hear you subconscious mind. Like, yeah. tell me what the heck's going on down there um, you, you, you can look at patterns, right? Like relationship patterns is a really great one because it's usually really connected to like our family system and our early developmental trauma and stuff like that. So that's a good place to look. Plus in relationship, things are heightened, right? So we tend to see more reactionary things, more just like things playing out, I guess. So obviously just a lot of energy there. So you can look to how am I behaving repetitively and then kind of work backwards from there to try to understand um, the origin point or what might be going on at a deeper level in your psyche. And so obviously the, the purpose with all of that is not just to like psychoanalyze yourself into a whole, but to bring that up to, to consciousness so that you can, you know, use different practices and such and, and make better decisions, make conscious decisions rather than just being at the whim of your subconscious mind. That's kind of guiding your life, whether. Right.
0: Or not. And I think for me that that is where coaching and possibly even therapy really helps. You know what I mean? Because I think when you start doing this kind of work and you start slowing down and being super mindful of, like you said, patterns, or why am I doing this? Or I want to feel differently. I want to attract a different person. Um, I keep attracting unavailable men or women and these, these things that are going on in your life. Um, I'm not able to, or I feel like I can't like make money, like whatever it is. Like I always tell my clients that I always start with goals. So if we start with goals, which is, I don't want to react to my ex-husband. I don't want to let my mom bring me down rabbit holes or get drawn into her negativity or whatever, whatever the goals are. I want to make a million dollars. Like if you start with the goal, then you can kind of start to backtrack on what's stopping you from getting there. And it is, it's the programming, it's the subconscious mind and looking at those patterns. But when you're slowing, it can be extremely overwhelming to start slowing down and realizing it's almost like having the biggest list of things to do, right? Like, it's just like, you're so super aware, especially if you're going through, you know, a spiritual awakening and you didn't again, sign up for this. And all of a sudden, like everything's heightened and you're so super aware of things, but yet you don't know what to do to do something different because you're in a habit of reacting or a habit of feeding that fear thought and letting it take you down a rabbit hole. So it's definitely not for the weak. (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean to do this kind of work um yeah but what do you think is like when you think about all of that all of that kind of like slowing down for you or even with like women or people that you've worked with what are like the patterns that people do that you think like take them down rabbit holes really quickly or keep Mm -hmm. them stuck or attracting the same person
1: I just wanted to add to that that part too of like being mindful, because I know that a lot of people, when they are starting to do this work, it can get really heavy. And like you said, you're seeing all of these things that are going quote unquote wrong. And then you're realizing it's your, you know, you're seeing your own contribution to it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's super important to be really mindful in those moments to not let shame be the motivator, right? Not trying to shame yourself into growth and saying, I'm not doing it good enough yet. What's wrong with me? Like it's so important to watch those narratives because that won't actually really let us grow into things we need to make self-compassion and self-acceptance a priority because focusing on these shadows or these the ways that you're contributing to like different issues in your life is not meant to make you feel like something is wrong with you or you're broken right it's meant to help you see that there's a deeper part of you that needs some attention or maybe needs some love right so I think just like leading with compassion and Mm -hmm. self-acceptance is Mm -hmm. so important I think that Um,
0: Go ahead. That was, the, sorry. That was actually the biggest takeaway. I think you said it perfectly, beautifully, hundred percent. I think shame, guilt, lack of empathy for your own self, lack of compassion for your own self uh, literally keeps you stuck. That's it. Yeah. Like it, it keeps the emotion stuck. It keeps the feeling stuck and learning how to, for me, when I was learning this and I don't know how this happened, it was right when I had my son that I really got this because I saw him in such a different way than I saw myself. You know, we always tend to give people outside of ourselves more compassion, more empathy. You know, we don't guilt them. We don't say half of the things to other people that we say to ourselves. And I think Mm -hmm. when I had him, it made me realize like, wow, I'm so good to him. I see him in such a different way than I see myself. And I think that's when I started slowing down and being like, why am I so awful to myself? And it wasn't that I meant to do it. It was just the habit of not being super self-aware to what, it, what it was that I was feeling. And I think for me learning about even codependency and understanding like, well, how do you really heal from this? Not necessarily just even trying to find out where it came from. Um, Cause that was kind of self-explanatory for me, but how do you heal this stuff? I think validation and compassion for what it was that I felt was at like the top of the list. And and it's actually what I start with, with my clients is like, you have to legit validate every single thing that you think, and that you feel you have to give yourself compassion, The you know, no shaming, no guilt, no, why do I still feel this way? None of that stuff. Because if you start there, you're never going to fully feel whole and healthy because you just have this, like, I always use the analogy of, Parenting yourself, right? So the parent to the okay. child, because that analogy works so well with me. Um, and I just said, if the child's happy, you're happy. And so a child can only a child can only feel happy. A best friend can only feel happy with you and want to be your friend if she can come to you and you don't judge her and you don't shame her and you listen to her. and You have compassion for her. So learning how to twist that around and be your own friend in that way and practice mm-hmm. these little things. I mean, they're they're game changers
1: yeah yeah because otherwise you're saying, okay, maybe it's this belief that I have about myself that attributes to this n- pattern that's destructive.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you
1: just if you just then go, well, I'm not fixing that problem, something's wrong with me, all you're doing is validating the original belief right. I, it's like this super contradictory thing, mm-hmm. and I think that's so true and I and I also think, um, you know, that's the power of having people around you that do support you and lift you up and know how to really like nourish you in that way. Cause sometimes, you know, we might need a little bit of help when we can't see past our inner critic and we need somebody on our side who can really like see us and love us. And of course we have to learn how to do that for ourselves too. Very, very, very important, but just also like, um, you know, for me, I know it's really important that I do have supportive community that like knows how to, you know, see me, and remind me of who I am when I can't see that for myself. Um, but of course that's paired with all the tools to challenge my thoughts and not buy into my stories and everything like that. Um, but yeah, just community obviously is, is a really important, helpful yeah, thing. And I Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. I hundred percent agree. What do you think? So when we think about community, how do we find that? How do we attract that in which, how do we attract what we actually
1: need? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it does start off with self, right? I mean, the relationship that we have with ourself is so is is basically just represented in everything that's kind of going on around us. So the more that we deepen our own relationship with self, and I guess you could say you would do that by you know learning about your own belief systems, your own maybe trauma, and you know, actively paying attention to your needs every single day. And like you're saying, parenting, like reparenting yourself, doing all these things um, in my eyes, lead you to know yourself better, which then leads you to be able to put yourself in places and situations where you're going to naturally call in community who is aligned to you and your values. Right. So it's like you become really aware of like, this is me. This is who I am. This is how I want to show up in the world, and then you start doing that. You know, you go to certain events, or you take a class, or you, whatever, start a thing, and that is then when you find these people that are actually kind of meant to fit in your life. Mm -hmm. That's been my. I always
0: and I always went off intuition, and I think, I think that's something that when you're starting to do this work, you get super focused on trying to like listen to that that voice that's guiding you. It's always been there. But I think before you really dive into this and awaken um, or become more mindful or more conscious with your life or whatever you want to call it, you don't, it's there, but you only listen to it when it's literally like banging at you, you know, and even then sometimes you don't. Um, yeah. Whereas now I always go off a vibe, you know what I mean? Like, I'm always like, either I feel this pull to you. And even when I feel a pull to someone, I, I kind of, wanna know why, like, what is it about this person? Is it a toxic pull, is it a healthy pull? You know, um, Mm -hmm. but for me, I think it, it really comes down to being honest with myself on what it is that I really needed from outside people. You know what I mean? Like not just meeting someone and just assuming they were going to be the greatest friend ever or the greatest partner ever or the best parent ever And just seeing people for what they could actually give and then assessing whether or not that was really right for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think going off like body-based intuition too, right? Like we were saying that deeper kind of knowing within you that knows, like, it's so simple, but just tuning in, like, how do I feel after I hang out with that person or these people? And of course, everyone has the capacity to maybe trigger you a little bit and make you feel uncomfortable in moments that's not necessarily Always a reason to avoid somebody or to not go deeper, but it's usually pretty clear. Is this like reactive, or do I just generally feel not totally connected to this person, or like I can't reach them, or maybe a bit depleted? Right. Mm-hmm. So, using that as an indicator, I think is really, really powerful.
0: What would you say to someone who comes to you and says, I want to find like the person I'm meant to be with? How do you mm-hmm. even begin that kind of journey with someone?
1: Well, I mean, first, I think the biggest thing is, again, it's coming back to self, right? Like, checking our um, maybe fantasies or ideas about this, like, one person coming in to save everything or make everything better. And, you know, of course, relationships are beautiful and fulfilling and healing and all of that great stuff. And I don't think we should push that away, that desire, that longing, Mm -hmm. but in order to find the person again, that's really going to meet you on all the levels or is going to be a, a, a really solid life partner to you. It's so important that you know who you are. You know how to take care of yourself. You know your own values, like just showing up as if you're in the deepest relationship with yourself because you, because you are right. That's the deepest relationship you'll ever have is with, with your own self and your own body. So I think the more that we can cultivate that and focus on that sounds counter intuitive. Um, mm-hmm. but again, we naturally will just call in partners that are healthy, but also that we'll, we're going to be able to make it work between us. Cause every relationship is going to have conflict because you're going to know your own mind and you're going to know your own needs and your own body and your own values, which is going to be the guiding force or the guiding light when things get hard in, in relationship down the line. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I think that's great. And I think even to piggyback on that, unhealed wounds. That was like the first thing as you were talking, it it just went, went unhealed wounds, unhealed wounds, because Mm -hmm. I picked based on that. I picked based on the lack or the insecurity or the fear or, or the, the wanting someone to be the fantasy or wanting my life to be the fantasy, because perhaps there were things that I didn't get and trying Mm -hmm. to compensate for what didn't happen in childhood in the adult life. Right. Or like you said, being really good by yourself, like fully understanding what that means. I mean, that's huge, huge. It will help you number one, pick the right person. It will help you, you know, to attract them, but it, and and it will help you to maintain a good relationship with that person. And I think even finding that like-minded person to compliment you in that way, I mean, that was, that was it. That was the thing that no one taught you that (laughs) mom and dad didn't sit down when they had the birds and the bees combo and just say, Hey, by the way, so this is what you really need to know how to do in order to find like the right person. I wish they would have done a class like that in high school.
1: Um, I know. I wish the whole curriculum was much different, but much different.
0: I always say that much different. They should hundred percent teach this stuff. You know, not necessarily unhealed wounds and doing that. I can't imagine that stuff, but just what does it mean to be healthy? Like what does it mean to actually take care of yourself on all of these deeper levels? Yeah, that's a huge thing that if you knew how to do that, you would your life would be completely different, every aspect because you wouldn't yeah. be led by your wounds. You wouldn't be led by your insecurities, by your fear. You wouldn't be led by just this thing called the mind that just wants to do whatever it wants to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think for me that that was that's a huge thing for people is really uncovering where do I struggle and what is that fantasy? I think the fantasy and the ideals that we put even in our own lives, what we expect we should be. I mean, I'm 41, and this is the first time in my life that I feel like, all right, I feel good. Like I feel like I kind of got this thing. So I'm like waiting for the ball to drop, basically.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um,
0: but to, but I didn't, and I think the only reason why I feel that now is because for the first time I'm very comfortable in my own skin and I know how to take care of myself. And and it, and like you said earlier, it doesn't mean I don't rely on other people to come in and and remind me of who I am sometimes a thousand percent. Um, but I think if you know how to do it most of the time for yourself, I think you're in a good space.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's everything, right? Like I mean, I'm still very much human. I still am messy and have flaws and you know, have, have life things happen to me as we all do and will continue on. But the difference in knowing like, okay, I know I am resourced. I know that I have the tools and the ability to work through hard things as they arise makes all of life feel more approachable, right? So like when we know that like I can deal with hard things and I know how to navigate that, we feel so much more safe to go out and to try new things or to extend to new people or to go after a new thing in our career or start that business or like whatever it may be because we're like I know that even though things might get hard or eventually they will I know how to support myself and I know how to show up for me and that is going to make the entire difference in that process right because it's Mm -hmm. not going to lead to me you know imploding or things going so terribly, it's only going to lead to me growing through all of those challenges. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing, right? It's so simple, but like we're kind of saying about not being taught, like we're not really taught how to regulate a nervous system, how to cultivate safety internally when we're dealing with hard things, you know, Mm -hmm. how to relate in a healthy way or, or just even relationship tools or communication tools. Like so many of these things are just something we have to, unfortunately, figure out through many, many, many trials and errors, unless somebody works Lots with practice. Them. Yeah, exactly. So
0: it's, uh, what do you think is like one of the biggest things, like when you're, whether you're single or in a relationship, it's kind of irrelevant, but when you meet someone and you start to get to know them for you, what's like the red flag not, I don't want to say red flag. These are like such cliche things that you, we hear in like blog posts or, you know, videos like, Oh, the five red flags to avoid blah, blah, blah. But what are the things that you just become a little aware of, um, in a person that would make you believe that they're not healthy. They're not in a good space. They're emotionally unavailable, you know, all of those kind of things.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's many that we could think of, but some kind of immediate ones that come to mind is like, obviously, how they maybe talk about other people, especially previous partners, that's usually a pretty good indication, you know, are they in ownership of their own contribution to the relationship not working out? Or are they just in blame? Because mm-hmm. if somebody's just in total blame, it's going to be really hard to meet each other in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody is kind of saying one thing and then doing another, and if you are, I mean, we, I'm sure we all do that to a degree, but if you were to like, bring that to them and they're not willing to see that, or, um, you know, if they kind of are deflecting or avoiding the question, that's a big thing. Another thing is like, if anyone ever kind of tries to make you feel like wrong for how you're feeling, or doesn't validate your emotional experience, like you shouldn't feel this way. Why do you feel like this way? Or why are you reacting like this? That can be a bit of a, an issue, um, so is there a few ones that come to mind that are a little bit
0: I like helpful? those two? I like those last two. For me, those are big ones. I mean, you know, the whole lack of empathy thing, that's like a big thing. But when when you hear that, if you don't really understand what that means, well, what does that mean? And I think the mm-hmm. ownership and you're wrong for feeling that way. So when I get defensive because you feel something when in turn, it actually just makes me feel uncomfortable. And that's why I'm getting defensive. Yeah number one. And, and again, when we say these things, I just want everyone to make sure this doesn't mean run for the hills, this person's psychotic, you know, it just yeah. means that this person doesn't know how to deal with their own self. And so they're deflecting what's going on inside. For me, that's, yeah. that that's like ding, 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 you know, because I try to fully own as much as I can, you know what I mean? There are some things that are harder than others, but the most part i do know when the ego is there i do know when the wounded child is there and so trying to be mindful of like okay what's my how am i participating in this what's my trigger you know i think that's a huge thing and the lack of ownership and making you feel bad for the way you feel that is a hundred percent at the top of the list for me
1: yeah yeah And, and i think a big thing here and it's good to mention like it's not always um, you know, a black and white situation or run for the hills. If you see this these are things to look out for, but every relationship is going to have issues and struggles. And so I think some, what I hear so much of is like when, um, you know, I'm working with a client and they're like, well, I'm doing all of this work. Like what if my partner or my future partner isn't into this? And it's like, okay, well, we have to first set the expectation that that might not happen right away you just likely need somebody who's at least willing to to meet you, right, or willing to talk or communicate. They don't have to be, you know, as invested in this work as you might be. Um, But we, we often will kind of forecast this, like, well, this has happened in the past, and sometimes people do, you know, this thing, or they whatever we pick apart all the things that they're doing wrong Mm -hmm. when we're not really fully seeing our own contribution, it can be really problematic. So like in that example, if you were to have somebody, let's say, who, you know, struggles to to communicate vulnerably or maybe kind of like hides and deflects a little bit, it's also up to you to bring your own vulnerability and openness into that conversation. And from a place of ownership, right. From a place of like, I'm seeing that this is what's going on for me. This is how I'm feeling, you know, it's, it's because of this and this. And then that like is the invitation for them to meet you in vulnerability, right? Sometimes we have to be willing to lead those things and watch how people then feel safe to come in and meet us there. And we can kind of guide that experience just through our own transparency. Yep. And I, that was perfectly said. I think the more, I actually just had this conversation
0: a couple of days ago with a client where I said, you know, the more you come from your heart space and the more you express how or what she's saying or doing makes you feel, it will hopefully calm her down enough to kind of meet you at that safe space. And I said, and that's really what's not happening right now is, she does something, you get triggered, then you you know release anger or whatever that looks like. And she doesn't say, and it's just this battle, right? That happens between these two wounded little, little kids, basically, or egos that are just like fighting against each other versus someone kind of setting the tone for, let's come to, you know, let's connect, let's have a safe space to work on this together because we both are being triggered, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's the that was my dog (laughs) that's the communication piece when people are like communication the most important thing and I think if you're receptive and you're willing to like be open a little bit there's some people that they're not receptive and they don't want to open the door and they don't want to let you in at all and I think when you start to see that pattern that's when you know okay this may not be the person but when you see something that is open to the idea of, okay, you're calm. I'm calm. You're reassuring me. I feel safe now. Let me be vulnerable. That's where the intimacy really comes into play. And you can actually help each other to really heal, but it takes one person really setting that tone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just like you said, it's, that's the indicator. You know, I, I also say that to my clients, like if you really want to see what, if, if this relationship, whether it's friendship or romantic has potential, like you need to lead in that space of vulnerability and be willing to do this work for you. Cause it's so easy to be like, well, they're not doing the work and this that, right? To place all of our attention onto what they're doing. And so it's mm-hmm. this constant process of bringing it back and being like, I'm gonna bring forward what I need to bring forward. And then from that, I will see, is this person willing to meet me? You know, I might have to try a few times, um, but if it's very clear at a certain point that they're not, then then that's the kind of easiest way to see. Or to gauge uh, kind of the health of a relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think even if you're, you know, if you're married in a relationship, great, you can start doing this with your spouse. The next time anything difficult comes up, just kind of slowing down and trying to navigate that conversation and fully owning your own stuff. If you fully own your own stuff, you're, you're going to want to expect to have someone that can do the same because if they can't, then they're gonna put it on you and you know that that's not yours. So, but I think even if you're single, like I always tell people who, who are the people in your life that are triggering you the most right now? Or who are the people that trigger you the most in life? You know, is it your boss? Is it your mom? Is it your sister? Like is it the lady next door or whatever. And so practice with those people, like legit, those are your teachers. So like welcome conversations with them. Don't try to just always avoid them and and play this out and just see how how it is even if they are not receptive and they don't want to open their window and they don't want to do that it'll at least help you to control your emotions when you have the expectation of like oh i thought you were going to be receptive to this and i'm being very calm and you're being reactive or you're getting you know negative or or abusive or whatever how can you still kind of like create that safe bubble around yourself to navigate that conversation with that person when you see yeah. their ego fully at the front and yeah. you're not going to get through to this.
1: Yeah, and those are the hardest moments to really Those are the hardest face.
0: for sure, for sure. And it takes practice, I always tell people. Um yeah. I mean, I think it's great to know this stuff and especially when it comes to like dating um healthy people, just practicing being vulnerable, taking your time, I always tell people, like, unfortunately, it's not just dating someone for a month. You have to really get to know this person to see all of these things. You know, it takes time to build trust. It takes time to be vulnerable. It takes time to see who this person is through whether or not, you know, whatever their consistent patterns are. So it just takes a hot minute for you to be able to, like, assess whether or not this person should be in your life.
1: Totally. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the sometimes not always, but, um, the desire to be chosen so much so that they cloud their own judgment of like, do I choose this person? Right. Um, mm, good one. Say that again. Repeat, repeat, everyone. listen. Listen. No, it's
0: yeah. true. There, it's like so focused on the goal of you know, you're right. Being chosen, being the relationship. I found that person. I don't have to do this alone. Whatever, whatever that story is that you forget, like, wait, wait a minute, you're legit picking them. Like you should be super aware of who this person is. Um, I always tell clients on dates, cause I used to do this when I was single and I would go out and like, just, you know, have a drink, or, you know, do online dating and randomly meet someone. And I always said that I didn't do it. Cause I, Really wanted to do online dating, and I literally thought that was going to be the thing. I actually didn't think I was going to meet someone that way, and I ended up meeting someone that way. So be careful you wish for. But um, I did it for practice. I did it to like be in the Uber and be on the way there and have that conversation. Or I did it because I'm sure the men wouldn't be happy to hear that that I was practicing on them. But. I mean, um, but I had to practice sitting across the table from a stranger that I probably thought was attractive and witnessing my mind going 50 miles an hour down a road of like, does he think I'm cute? Do I look okay? Like, you know, all of those conversations and kind of like being aware of that conversation and going, whoa, Steph, hold on. You just need to sit back and like, is this the person that you want to hang out with next is this the person that like you think is cool like and it became more about like me trying to pick you versus you picking me it's kind of even like with in job interviews I feel like it's the same way we go into a job interview with I hope they'll give me the offer or I hope they'll give me the job versus thinking like do I actually want to work for you like let me interview you
1: yeah instead
0: of you just interviewing me
1: exactly And it's such a powerful shift, right? And it's a different energy too. And I think it really even changes, it changes how people are going to relate to you and how they might even be attracted to you or drawn to you. And it it really is everything. And I think for some people in that pattern of, you know, constantly calling in the emotionally unavailable person can be kind of like two things happening at once. It's that desire to like prove and them not giving you that validation or them being hard to get is, fueling that like trauma response or that activated nervous system of like i need to prove i need to get their their approval to finally feel worthy but then if they were to give it to you or, or if you were with a secure person who was really validating it might not actually feel that exciting so people can get kind of confused between like trauma bond and actual you know stable foundation love um and then also calling into like, just reflect on if that's something that one that's listening, um, can relate to that, that pattern of attracting emotionally unavailable partners is like, how does that then benefit you? Because usually it's some part of you that feels like they, they're safe because you're not being called to be emotionally available yourself because they're not asking that of you. They're not bringing you into that intimacy. You're just kind of in this cat mouse Game where where you yourself are not required to also be emotionally vulnerable. So we always kind of have to understand when we're in these painful patterns. Like, what's the need that's getting met underneath this? Even if it's not, you know, quote unquote healthy. What is it that I'm? How am I benefiting from this in some way? Otherwise, I wouldn't be kind of keeping it going. And then you can again work backwards from there.
0: I think that's a great thing to to bring up because so many people. I know you've heard this. Is I'm just not attracted to the nice guy. I'm just yeah. not, you know, when you mentioned trauma bonding um and just what you're attracted to and why you're attracted to it, uh, I think that that's a huge thing, you know, and I hear that so often. I'm just not attracted to that guy or I'm just not attracted to that girl. They are attracted to the drama and they know it, but they mm-hmm. don't know how to not be attracted to that. Um yeah. what do you think is something that someone could do if they are stuck where they legit know? I know I'm picking the wrong people and I don't, I don't know how to even begin to stop that. I just, I'm drawn to that.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, these things can take time to shift. And so, I mean, I think that again, that like compassion piece, like be gentle with yourself and there's two things. Um, first of all, it's not really realistic that we're going to be like, oh, I see this pattern happening. I'm going to totally eradicate it and never do that again. And it wouldn't even really be helpful if you had super strong willpower and you somehow did that. The thing is, is we kind of have to work at the level that we're, we're drawn to. So even though it might not be a very healthy dynamic that's playing out, we're, we might have to play into that a few times and use that as a practice, you know, like you did on this, on these dates to like watch your mind and understand it and just keep working with that energy and eventually you'll get tired of that pattern and you'll actually know like what is it again like I'm truly looking for or maybe like how is this you know recreating some dynamic from my childhood that needs resolution right so you get all these key indications or key points and you start realizing like how to work with it internally and naturally these things shift Um, and they they don't always necessarily just evaporate but they kind of show up in different ways that are more manageable for us to be able to actually work through and it won't be as like let's say chaotic or destructive perhaps as like maybe the first few times around so I think again having some kind of space where you can go in and really explore those patterns and get to the root is going to be the first step um somatic work too like learning how to really work with the body because we can mentally want to do a lot of things or change a lot of things but if our body isn't and our nervous system isn't in line, we're going to get to be like, okay, I'm going to do the thing or I'm going to end this relationship or I'm not going to engage with this person. And then we just get sucked in by our our reaction. And so learning how to also have practices for like self-soothing and regulation to go alongside all the mental effort we're making to make changes is a big thing. I love that.
0: I love that. I think it's great, great stuff to like start working on. I think the takeaway for me has been just to, you know, not look at this as quick fixes and just give yourself time to, you know, I think the self-awareness is the biggest practice. If you can slow down and be aware of certain things, then you can start to kind of like, I don't want to say override them, but it allows you to make a decision when you're not self-aware, you can't make a decision because you're just going off of your your past, your wounds, your insecurities, your traumas, like whatever that you're carrying around in the back of the mind. Right. Right. So, and I see this playing out. I see it play out with clients where the more you are in a relationship or dating the toxic person, when you start doing this work, you start to see the toxicity and it it starts to not be so cute. (laughs) You know what I mean? You start to like, not be so attracted to it as you did, like when you were completely asleep and unaware of what you were doing. Um, So I think that's, that's great stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's life changing, really.
0: It is. It really is because it allows you to create a better life for yourself rather than just having life just evolve and you just kind of riding that wave, so to speak. You can at least dictate a little bit of like, okay, you know, a big wave's coming. I should probably go to the right and get out of the line of fire. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on here guys. I will link everything down below. So yeah, you guys can check her out um, on her website. We will link it down below and get all of her information. Go follow her on social and thanks guys. I'll see you next week.